Seed treatments can sometimes be a giant question mark for farmers. I've heard them talked about as a leap of faith, but for the experts I speak with today, that is not good enough. So we are going to get answers by bringing you inside Pioneer's hub for testing seed treatments. Now, how do you know seed treatments work? And how do we know they'll work on your fields? And how can we trust that they're beneficial and won't cause more problems during planting? Well, Mark Howison and Rob Sabatka will help us get clarity on this technology. And if you have any questions on what seed treatments are or why they're beneficial, then you really should go over to check out episode number seven of the Corn Revolution podcast second season. So that's season number two of the Corn Revolution podcast episode number seven definitely check that out. On that episode, agronomist Nate Levant gives me all of those answers. And now let's bring in Mark. All right. All right. Here we go. Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for coming on today. Oh, thank you, Matt. I appreciate the opportunity. What do you do? So I am the facilities manager uh, for the Corteva Center for Seed Applied Technologies. And so this was a uh, purpose-built facility uh, to design, develop, and evaluate uh, new seed applied technologies. And uh, I've been here for about two years, um, having, uh, I guess, uh, joined Corteva in, in June of 2018. Okay. Okay. So you've been there since 2018. And uh, what were you doing before 2018? And so I was, uh, I guess I've, I've held various roles uh, into the agricultural industry, um, including formulation, uh, field biology, um, uh, project management and things. Um, I guess as, as many of the folks that work in Johnston at Corteva AgriScience, I guess I have a, a background or graduated from university at, uh, from Iowa State uh, with a PhD in, in horticulture, actually, of all things. Okay. Did you say Iowa State or Ohio State? Iowa State. All right. So you've got an interesting academic career. You're obviously, uh, you've very well studied, but let's get in the Wayback Machine and go back even further. Where'd you grow up? Uh, about a mile away from where I sit right now. So uh, I, I grew up in Johnston, Iowa and went to Henry A. Wallace Elementary School. So it's, uh, it's one of those odd things is that I, I, I never thought I would end up in Iowa. But uh, the allure of agriculture is a strong one, and uh, growing <laughs> plants is a strong one. And I think uh, I realized that uh, that was that was my career path. That was my life path was to be involved in ag. Okay, so now did you grow up farming? No, um, no, I'm, I was a first generation off the farm. So my dad was uh, one of fourteen kids, and my mom was one of nine. And so there there wasn't enough farm to go around, and so. Yeah. They were they were the ones that laughed. Actually, did you did you get involved in ag at all during high school, like FFA or anything like that? Not really. No, I mean no, not not to a tangible sense. I mean, to me, agriculture okay. was it was uh, there, there was no way to get back into agriculture. I think the closest that we could do was horticulture. I worked at the local greenhouse. I mean, uh, thirteen fourteen. Um, that, you know, it was so, the first job was was uh, transplanting seedlings uh, over Christmas okay. time. Yeah, getting okay. the tomato crop ready. Absolutely. So, okay. So high school, you finished up and then mm -hmm. straight, straight to Iowa state for horticulture. Oh no, I, that would be too, that would be too uh, easy of a path. <laughs> okay. So, 
I went to Iowa State to be an engineer. I, I wanted to design engines when reality uh, sets in. I didn't like any of my classes. It came off so flat that I mm. couldn't see myself doing that. And I think, you know, this is when I come home for over the Christmas or, or a holiday uh, break. And again, you know, you start transplanting in the greenhouse around then. So I did that. And, and the comment is, have you ever thought about horticulture? And that's like, you can make a living doing that. And so, yeah, I went back after my first semester and, and uh, switched my major from, from engineering to uh, horticulture and okay. never really looked back since and uh, stayed at Iowa State there and uh, graduated in 2005 with my PhD. I know that you had a lot of different opportunities, uh, especially coming out of college, coming out of your PhD. And I, I realized that when you do a PhD, you narrow yourself down, you narrow your focus down a little bit. But with all the opportunities that that everything you could have done, why why did you choose agriculture? There's something intoxicating about putting a seed in the ground and then having a little bit of hope, but knowing that there's some science behind that, that something green will come out of the ground um, and uh, that you'll have the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, and uh, but every minute will be exciting and fun. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally get it. And I, I would uh, venture a guess that 100% of the people listening to the show right now get that. <laughs> That's good. That is good. Okay. All right. So eventually, I, I, I have to talk business with you here. So <laughs> your title, your title is a mouthful. I've got CSAT written in front of me. What does that stand for again? That is the Center for Seed Applied Technologies. Our prime directive here is, is to uh, develop seed treatment recipes um, that are going uh, to, to uh, protect that seed investment so that uh, you maintain the maximum yield potential on your seed uh, investment. And so within that seed treatment recipe, I like to use the analogy, I guess, of, of making a cake you have sugar and butter and flour and eggs and vanilla, for example. And you can't just throw sugar, vanilla, eggs uh, and create a cake that you have to follow the recipe or develop a recipe. And so that when you pick the flour, if you want to use cake flour, so you have the best texture mm -hmm. and you want to cream the uh, butter with sugar so you don't have that gritty sugar mm -hmm. and you want to bake it in a, in a pan at a temperature for a time. So you get that nice golden brown, beautiful crust on the outside and the insides uh, nice and set and cooked. So when you think about seed treatment recipes, we're uh, wanting to use ingredients as well. It's just our ingredients would include fungicides to manage disease, uh, insecticides uh, to get the, the pests, insect pests, uh, nematode management tools, colorants, polymers, etc. Mm -hmm. And a lot like baking a cake, you can't just throw the ingredients together and come up with a lumogen recipe. Um, there's a, uh, I guess, a technique of assembly. And so you have the amount that you need, the type that you need, um, how you put that together, how you apply it to the seed, how you process it downstream from the treater, all of those steps would be required then uh, to produce uh, performing a high-performing uh, lumogen seed treatment recipe. 
Okay. Now this is taking place. Is this like one separate building at the at the campus there? It's actually a, a larger facility. Um, it's about half an acre and about twenty thousand square feet. And so we have multiple labs here. And so we don't start off at that scale. And so we okay. we actually start and at our application lab. Um, where we're treating two or three pounds at a time and, and looking at how the, the treatment performs. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, getting back to our ultimate objective is launching new recipes or new lumogen recipes or lumogen seed treatments with, with confidence that it's going to be successful in our customers' fields. And so we start small, right? And that's typically because as we look at these new recipes, we're looking at all these different ingredients and we're evaluating hundreds of, of potential recipes in a given year. And so... We'll make thousands of applications. Then we kind of want to advance it from there. And so we'll move into our environmental chamber. And so the environmental chamber is a 20 by 30 room that we can adjust to the temperature down to just above freezing. So about 33, 34. Okay. And then we can take it up to about 115 degrees. So sweltering. Right? Really? So yeah. Phoenix, Phoenix in, in August. Yeah. And then we can adjust the humidity from down to about 20% uh, up to about 80%. We can be that, uh, I guess, more or less the the planting conditions that we've had in big parts or the major parts of the United States over the last three or four years, Uh where it's it's been cold and dreary, or we've gone through a very hard winter and uh, suddenly it's very warm and humid. And you'll find that these recipe concepts perform differently depending on the environmental conditions. Now, when you when you talk about being able to vary those environmental conditions to figure out how it's going to respond, how the seed treatment's going to work, are you talking about how it's going to work applying it to the seed or how the seed's going to germinate with that seed treatment on under those <laughs> environmental conditions? Both. So when we when so when we look at our evaluation process, we have, I guess we use an acronym, uh, PASSER, P A S S E R, and so those are kind of the pillars of the our evaluation funnel, and so that's plantability, application, seed safety, uh, stewardship, efficacy, and regulatory. No matter what, we need to have high planting precision. Um, that you know how difficult some of the, the, how condensed the planting season is. That when you've got a window, you need to be out there and that we want something that's going to singulate well, that we're not going to have, we're going to have the seed drop that we want and we're not going to be creating bridging situations. And what's a bridging, what's a bridging situation? Where the, the seed starts to, uh, that doesn't flow freely. It's not free flowing. And when you look at the size and the speed at which things are planted now, mm-hmm. seed flow is very important. And so um, that it needs to, to move out from the, uh, the, the center fill through the yeah. tubing out to the far meters. Right? And so how will, yeah. So, uh, and I'm sorry to interrupt. I just don't want to lose the thought. How will, how does, how can the seed treatment create a situation where it doesn't flow smoothly? Okay, so if, if we look at soybeans, for example, soybeans have a lot of um, carbohydrates in their seed coat. Uh-huh. And so one of the more interesting things to see is that actually if you just put um, water on soybeans and let them sit around and dry, a lot of times they'll, they'll fuse to one another and oh, okay. stick to one another. And that's what we call bridging. They basically turn into a block. Okay. And so when we apply seed treatments uh, that we're putting um, – products on that are liquid that we want to um, dry 
And so in, in between, it's like painting a wall. So when you, when you put that first coat of paint on, um, it needs to dry. If you go back before it dries and you touch it or you put another coat on, it's tacky and it transfers and it's mm -hmm. sticky. Mm -hmm. It's uh, some, something similar that you'll have with, with seed treatments is that uh, if, if part of that technique of assembly or the processing, if uh, uh, we want to make sure that that recipe and that processing is resulting in a nice free-flowing seed. And so that plantability aspect and seed flow aspect is, is important because we want the seed to be free-flowing. As you're describing this, I'm picturing something like an assembly line. Am I picturing it the right way? I think there's a perception that seed application or seed treatment application is is more or less basic, but it's it's actually pretty sophisticated, and that um, it's a highly automated system. Oftentimes, we've defined an application rate with these fungicides, insecticides, and things that we add, okay. where it's milligram of product or milligram of active that needs to be applied per seed. And so the equipment then will weigh the grams of seed needed to treat that batch and then apply it automatically through a series of pumps and, and uh, uh, tubing uh, over you know, a period of 20 to 30 seconds, depending on the crop and recipe. Hmm. Is it, man, I'm going to really, really demonstrate my lack of knowledge here, but is it sprayed on? Um, I wouldn't say necessarily sprayed. Uh, it's more of a low pressure dribble. Okay. Got it. Uh, okay. Now, in terms of what you're testing for there, obviously seed treatments are going to deal with, uh, you know, pests like nematodes, things like that. They're going to deal with disease. Do you do that type of testing in your facility as well? Or has that got to be done out in the field? So it's, it's limited. And so we collaborate uh, with our uh, ISF colleagues and discovery colleagues um, where we will uh, make the applications uh, to support the, the evaluations, um, whether that's in a, in a Petri dish, uh, growth chamber, greenhouse, or any of the tens of thousands of, of uh, plots that get put out uh, every year um, to, to, to validate the efficacy. Well, Mark, this has been fascinating. Thank you so much for this, uh, this inside look and uh, sharing a little bit about yourself with us today. I appreciate it, Matt, uh, and, and really enjoyed the opportunity of the conversation, so thank you. Now, let's pick up where Mark left off, testing and evaluation outside of the Johnston-based research facilities. Let's talk with Ron Sabotka, and uh, he'll talk us through all of that. All right, here we go. Ron, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for coming on. You bet. Thank you for having me today. <laughs> you bet. It's my pleasure. Well, I am excited to speak with you. Where are we speaking to you from? Where are you at right now? My family and I live in Wahoo, Nebraska. Wahoo. Now, does that come with an explanation? Excla oh, boy. Exclamation point after it? I can't say it. <laughs> it sure does. It's a pretty neat uh, town. Bedroom community uh, between Lincoln and Omaha. <laughs> All right. Well, so tell us what you do. What's your title? I'm the uh, technical services manager for uh, Corteva's Seed Applied Technologies Group in the United States. Yeah, our Seed Applied Technologies Group, um, you know, we, we go through discovery, development, and then finally delivering Seed Applied Technologies for our customers. So as a technical services manager, I'm sort of in between research and development and sales. 
And so in tech service, um, I help guide the, uh, you know, the development of products uh, before they come to the marketplace. Um, and then also once, uh, once we do bring them to the marketplace or as we're bringing them to the marketplace, um, provide some training on the features and benefits of the ingredients that we have on our seeds. And also so that we're presenting that in a manner that is uh, true for the customer. And, uh, and then, you know, also in tech service, you know, as we, we try to work as close as we can with sales so that we understand um, changes that are taking place um, from a management standpoint uh, so that we can kind of be on the forefront of uh, maybe some uh, some past changes that will are, are likely to take place. A good example of that is is cover crops. There's a lot of benefits to having cover crop and uh, you know your radishes and turnips are left in the in the soil and as they rot, that's kind of what the uh, you know some of these insect yeah. pests like to go after. <laughs> so uh, it's not a problem, you know we just have to predict it and uh, and make sure that we have next generation, active ingredients that might be better than uh, what we currently have in the marketplace today. Huh. And so we're working on some of those things. Now you're doing, uh, there's quite a bit of testing going on in the field. Yes. Yes, absolutely. We've got hundreds of thousands of uh, rows and, and plots and uh, replicated work and strip trials that we do every single year so that we, you know, make sure that we're on the front side of bringing the very best products. So, when it comes to, I guess, the information or uh, the information you're gathering, you're learning through these tests, how is that impacting what farmers are doing or the experience they're having with the seed treatment technology and all of that? Environments are hostile and weather's going to cause changes to the environment. We even have soil types, of course, that, that change. Um, pest problems that change as well. As we do our evaluations, we're not doing it in just a small area. Um, we do it broadly so that we can try to really touch uh, about every predicament that, uh, that our crops may be under. Um, that way, you know, we, we know what our, our lubricant system can and, and can't do as far as providing value to our customers. Um, and it also puts us in a in an opportunity to really discover where we might have some weaknesses that we can shore up with uh, new active ingredients and uh, these sorts of things as well. So really, the the broad testing is so important so that uh, uh, we can be more predictable on the performance. You mentioned predictability. Are these tests single year, multi year? We require. Um, at least two years of testing um, before we bring it to the marketplace because you can have some pretty wild swings from one year to the next. And mm -hmm. so we want to make sure uh, once again that uh, that when we, when we display a yield benefit that is predictable and it's predictable across, uh, you know, multiple environments. Are you running a test plot uh, with the seed treatments right next to one in the, in the same dirt without it? Yeah. So usually what we do is we take, I mean, we, we compete against ourselves um, because, you know, honestly, we've got some of the best seed treatments in the marketplace. We take our, our very best or our latest, um, you know, seed treatment system 
and we add new active ingredients uh, to it uh, to make this change and compare them head to head. Um, you know, okay. we'll, we'll also take competitive uh, seed treatment comparisons, but quite honestly, the ones that uh, that we like the best are is the very best, and that's what you know our, our current recipe. And let's see what this new active ingredient will uh, add to uh, to our current recipe. And so that's when it, a lot of the numbers I use are um, against against our own. Okay. Well, so can you give us a sneak peek? Is there anything is there anything new, anything exciting coming up when it comes to seed treatment? I don't anticipate any major changes in corn for, you know, maybe the next couple of years, but um, you know, look to the future to where we might be bringing maybe a little stronger rhizoctonia or fusarium activity. We're pretty short up on pythium. One thing that you'll see us do um, this upcoming season for 2021 is we're going to start promoting the use of Olivo at the lower rate, at the soybean cyst uh, rate, because, you know, we recognize that there are, you know, some species of, of uh, soybean cyst nematode that are now, you know, resistant against the PI8788 gene, which, you know, we've gotten in a lot of our varieties. And, uh, you know, cyst nematode is uh, continuing to spread, as is this, uh, this resistant culprit. And so um, we see a nice yield benefit. And so I, I think that would probably be the probably the biggest change that you'll see. It's it's not a new chemistry, but it's just the just recognizing that this pest is uh, changing, and it's probably mm-hmm. high time that we start you know promoting so that our growers can find that next yield level on of and and protection against this you know nasty pest. Very good. Well, Ron, this has been unbelievably informative. I've learned a lot of, I've got answers to a lot of questions that I've always had today. Thank you for that. You betcha. It's been fun. Thank you so much for joining us today as we jumped into seed treatments. I hope you'll join us next week when we get to part two of our episode on the weather. If you want to learn more about the Pioneer Tour podcast or subscribe, just go to pioneer.com backslash tour and choose your preferred podcast service. Also, I'd love to hear your feedback as well as your ideas for future episodes. And to do that, just send me an email at pioneertour at corteva.com. Pioneer brand products are provided subject to the terms and conditions of purchase, which are part of the labeling and purchase documents. Olivo is a registered trademark of BASF. Registrations, trademarks, and service marks are trademarks and service marks of Dow AgriSciences, DuPont, or Pioneer, and their affiliated companies or their respective owners, copyright 2020, Corteva. 